Hello and welcome guys to another episode of Real Talk with Benno. I am lucky enough today to be joined by 2012 Premiership player and former Sydney Swan Alex Johnson. Alex, how are you going mate? Not too bad, thanks for having me on. Thanks for having me on. It's been a, a long time in the works I think. We've been sort of messaging each other on Instagram a few times and yeah, now it's uh, you know, bumped into you the other week so that's <laughs> good. Good, we've finally, we've finally got it. We can you know, get out of lockdown here in Melbourne and actually sit down face to face and have a chat. Yeah, I think we were saying this before, it's good to be out and you know, just doing things again, seeing people. And yeah, as you mentioned, we bumped into each other, which I think was purely by chance because I wasn't going to go to public house that night. I, the, missus, the missus was going home and I was meant to be doing that. And I thought, no, no, I'll go out with the boys. And One more, one more. Yeah. <laughs> Bumped in the line there, so that worked out. That worked out really well. I mean, like, now that we're out of lockdown, what, what have you been up to? How you been? Like, how's it been just getting out of bed again? Yeah, it's it's been busy. It's sort of sometimes you you think, oh, I wouldn't mind just sitting on the couch and just relaxing again. You do miss that, miss what you don't have. It's always the grass is always growing somewhere else. But no, it's been good. I've you know in the fitness industry, so with my uh, indoor cycling studio in in Armidale, we'll shut down for that last three month period. Um, only opened in June, so. Sort of had about five or six weeks there of building momentum and then to shut down for three months wasn't ideal. Um, but yeah, things are things are back open now and, and everything's going pretty well. And that's that's infinite in Armadale? Yeah, inf- yeah, infinite cycle. So yeah, it's a it's a new sort of concept. It, it's it's a spin class, I suppose, but it's a bit different to what the the general spin class is and the stigma around it. Um, something I got into just just purely based on Health and fitness has always been a massive part of my life. You know, obviously playing professional footy and things like that for, for a number of years. And then just, just cycling became a huge part of my rehab with, with knees and all that. Um, you know, I couldn't do what other guys were doing. So I spent a lot of time on the bike and just the no impact nature of it, but you can still get a lot out of it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, brought this concept down from from Sydney. There's there's five or six studios up there. We're the first in Melbourne and, and looking to sort of grow. So. Yeah, infinite cycling armor. I'll give it give it a bit of a plug and hopefully get some people down there. <laughs> yeah, make sure make sure you head down, guys. Um, was, you mentioned their rehab was playing to be part in that. I mean, how much time did you spend on the bike and did it did it immediately capture you? Or was it something that took? Because obviously you would have been on there for a while. Was it something that took a bit of time to grind you down? Yeah, I think I, I always did a little bit of riding when I when I was growing up. You know, did a few different sort of road races, just those charity rides, did triathlons. So always spent a little bit of time on the bike, but yeah, I mean, there was a time there where I didn't run for about 900 days, so there's not much else you can do except to sit on a bike. And at that time, if you had said, oh, you're going to open a bike studio, I would have said, there's no way, no, I, wanna, I never want to see another bike again. Um, but yeah, I just think that the nature of it, it allowed me to stay fit and stay connected and, you know, it gave me a really good, um, you know, sort of springboard to get back and eventually play again. And we'll, we'll touch on the knees, obviously, at some point, but first of all, we'll touch on the fact that you did play 47 games but 45 on the bounce at the start I mean what was it like you were you were pick 57 I, say, I was going to say only pick 57 but I mean you came in I think it was about around 3 or 4 and then you didn't miss till you won a, won a flag I mean how do you come in to such an experienced setup, such a system, systematic lineup that the Swans were and you slotted in seamlessly I mean, how did you manage to do that so well yeah it seems like a lifetime ago now that, that pick 57 but I think I was always, you know, a pretty determined kid. Um, you know, 14, 15, got sort of left out of sides, you know, representative sides and things. And you, at that time, you know, it's, a, it's the end of the world. It's the worst thing that can possibly happen. But I always just had that resolve that I just wanted to get on a list. That's all I needed to do. If I could get there, then you've got, you know, all the facilities and all the resources you need at your fingertips. You can make it, make it work and take it in whatever direction you need. So yeah, it was pick 57 in that 2010 draft. 
couple of guys went before me. Jed Lamb went before me. Luke Parker, obviously Parker's gone on to do great things now. But yeah, I just I just needed an opportunity. It was an interesting one. I, I had ankle surgery just before that draft, so arrived hampered. It was just sort of a stabilisation, nothing too ridiculous, but I just rolled it a few times in my under 18 and under 17 year. So get there, can't do much. So you're already behind the eight ball and you're already behind the eight ball because you're a draft there anyway, so they mm-hmm. look after you. So it was an interesting one. I didn't run until about January, I don't think. And then, yeah, just, just started getting in, getting into a bit more training. Naturally, reasonably fit. So always had that ability to, to keep up with the, the fitter guys in the group. Um, and then, yeah, just, just put a lot of work in the gym. I put on, I think, 11 or 12 kilos in that first preseason. And then, yeah, as you said, came in round three, um, much earlier than what I'd expected. I went out there with, with expectations. I just wanted to play, I just wanted to play senior footy in my first year. When that came, who knew? Who knew? And I mean, you look at guys, you know, guys that went on to do great things like, you know, Adam Goods, for example, didn't play for footy for a long time in his first year and um, took him a while to break in. So yeah, I was, I was really lucky. All the, all the pieces sort of fell into place for me and um, yeah, debuted over in Perth against West Coast round three and sort of never looked back. Had a, missed a couple of games that year just, just through soft tissue injuries, but was brought straight back in both times. So, yeah, really lucky. And then 2011, you had a very good year. 2012, obviously, and we'll touch on what happened that year. was unbelievable, especially that game we'll touch on. But you managed to kick one goal in your career. Do you remember <laughs> it? I do remember it. I was against Brisbane. It was about around 17 or 18, 2011. Uh, I was playing on Mitch Clark, actually, the, the roaming sort of centre forward, and he dragged me up to a, one of our one of their D50 stoppages and went into the noise, and I sort of just stayed out behind the ball, bowled out, and anyway, I threw it on my boot, and luckily it bounced through. <laughs> <laughs> I was, because um, yeah, I was having a look last night, just touched it up on the last little bit of research, and I saw there was a goal there, and I thought, oh, I wonder if I can find it. So I Googled it. I did find it. <laughs> and it, yeah, you've, you've got a nice feed at the back and it's bounced almost at right angles on the line. Definitely didn't deserve it. <laughs> I missed some much easier chances than that in my time. So well, I, then, I was lucky that I got one. I saw a highlight from you for the grand final where you, you put one just across the yeah. face. And I, I was looking at that. Oh, if you, if you could swap them. 100%. I'd swap it every day of the week. <laughs> just to be on that highlights package on grand final. Like, it, it's all about the goals. Oh. Defenders never get any recognition. So that would have been nice. But... Yeah, it's funny, I grew up a, a full forward and grew up a goal kicker. You know, I kicked 18 in one game in year 10, um, which was my biggest bag ever. And then, yeah, just, just couldn't quite convert to the next level. <laughs> I, I, I kicked 10, I think, in under 19s. But uh, obviously no 18, but anytime I can slip that one in there, I did, I did kick 10 straight. Yeah. It was an unbelievable day. I've still got the boots in. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, a great bag. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm not going to knock it back, double figures. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll take the 2012 grand final. I mean, I was re-watching it a couple of weeks ago. Fox Footy had it on the run. and It's one of the best games I can remember watching. And I think it's probably one that goes a bit under the radar because Hawthorne, obviously, after that, went and won three in a row. And that's kind of the focus of that era. But do you, you were in, how intense and how high was the quality of that grand final? Because, as I said, watching it again, and it was unbelievable, the football was being played. I mean, what was it like there? Could you, could you tell when you're in it that this is of the highest quality? Yeah, I think it's a, when you're in it, it, it sort of, it's just another game of footy a little bit. Obviously, there's more expectations, there's more pressure on those things. But going into it, Hawthorne, you know, were the number one team that year. And obviously, what they did in 13, 14, and 15 after... They were the best team for four years there, no doubt about it. Um, but I think we just had this sort of, we had this inner belief really that we, we would be able to get a, go and get a job done. 
we'd had an interesting sort of lead into it. Well, I think we lost three of the last four home and away games. But after that, it wasn't, you know, doom and gloom. It was sort of, you know, we'd lost by a goal here or there. And if we can tighten things up, we'd actually get it. So I think it was probably the best preparation for us. And then went over to Adelaide in our first in the qualifying and, yeah, got the job done there. And then Collingwood came up and I think we hadn't beaten Collingwood in 12 years out at ANZ or something like that and got that job done pretty quickly. And then, um, yeah, it was obviously onto Hawthorne. But it was an unbelievable game, unbelievable pressure. I think they had been flowing of it. You know, I watch it. I've sort of watched it a few times since, a few hundred times since. <laughs> I had a bit of spare time in the years, <laughs> years after. Um, but yeah, I mean, that first quarter they just absolutely smashed us, and anyone would have thought, "I'd oh, game over from here." If, if someone was watching it for the first time, you'd probably look and be like, "Quarter time, they're done." We looked down and out, and then it just ebbed and flowed. It was it was back and forth all day, but um, yeah, it was it was unbelievable. They were. A serious outfit and you know as, as i mentioned before what they went on to achieve in the three years after was was unbelievable so yeah we were it is it's probably a little bit underrated that what we were able to go out and do um but yeah it's definitely definitely something that was you know amazing amazing experience and something that you know share with those 21 other guys for life for sure that you were 20 years old at the time i mean 20 years old you've now played 45 odd games on the bounce you win a flag at that point are you thinking you know, like, how good is this? And we, what was the, you know, going into that next pre-season, are you thinking now, oh, we, we're going to do this again, oh, I'm going to keep getting better? I mean, how was the mindset going into the 2013 pre-season? Yeah, I think it's it's probably the first opportunity because, you, you know, I'd played two years, your body's a little bit more conditioned to the AFL. It's the first year you can do a full pre-season. And, um, you know, I started... Yeah, just just wanted to get better and better. I think I came back and won the three k time trial, so I was in in pretty good nick after that. Just just wanted to continue to build momentum, I suppose. And then, yeah, you sort of you you. It's hard not to dream about what could happen in the future, and you start to think, oh, you know, you know, I played almost fifty games in two years. I'll play sort of three hundred games pretty easily, and hopefully captain the club one day and playing a few more flags and stuff like that. So yeah, you definitely do start thinking that and start sort of having those goals in your mind you know obviously they're, they're distance goals they're the end, end result but yeah for me it was just to try and get better and better and you know become one of you know the premier um, defenders in the competition I knew sort of at that point Heath Grundy and Ted Richards were sort of coming towards the end and I wanted to take over that mantle of you know the, the centre half back of the, of the Swans and hopefully sort of stay there for the next 10 years so yeah you definitely definitely start to think about those things and put things in place and yeah I think I did the whole 2013 pre-season and played you know all the, all the practice matches all the intra-clubs and um, yeah I'd put together a fairly fairly good preparation to be able to springboard into the next year Was that the plan to like did the did you and the club address the fact that you know when these guys the Richards and the Grundies when they move on that you know you're the plan that you're going to be the guy they, they saw going forward as well yeah yeah I think so I think the, the big thing for me I mean I go back to when I got drafted it was you know don't wait for anything you know it, it'd be easy for you to come into a team and I mean you never want to retire someone but if there's an opportunity there to take you've got to take it like it's a cutthroat industry you're all yeah. competing against each other you know I wasn't going to sit there and just sit back for five years and go right I'll let you you know have, yeah. have the rest if, if I can pay it better than you then I'm going to try and take your spot like that's the reality of it that's the nature of the industry so yeah I think that was there that if I could you know put on a little bit more size and um, just work on my craft a little bit more I'd be able to 
you know, match up on some of the, some of the premier forwards of the competition. And with 2013 braces and you get it all done, you're firing, you're fit. You play the Gold Coast. Was that at Blacktown? Yeah, at Blacktown. And, yeah. and the first thing that he goes, had, you said you haven't had too many injuries leading up to that point. Did you, did you know when it happened what, what it was or did you have a, like, did you have any idea like oh, this doesn't feel great it might be ACL or were you kind of thinking oh that's all because it, it does stop hurting quite quick yeah. so yeah. did you did you have any um, idea or were you just not a, not a huge amount of idea I suppose as you said I've never really had many injuries I've had a few ankle injuries growing up from the age of sort of 13, 14 um, just yeah rolled ankles I think that every kid probably has when they're playing footy um but yeah, it was just sort of a weird mechanism. Jago Mira turned in front of him, in front of me, and I stepped off my left to go and change direction and tackled him, and it just sort of gave way. The pain for 30 seconds is excruciating, and then it just goes. And then they, I actually got stretched off, which I'm pretty embarrassed about, because you can definitely walk off it. <laughs> and I said, like, I'm fine, let me walk off. And they're like, no, we need to practice our stretcher stuff. And anyway, I'm glad it was out of Blacktown. There was only like three people there. <laughs> so my pride wasn't hurt too much, but, I said, like, just, you know, fuck off with your stretch. I don't need it. <laughs> um, anyway, they ended up carrying me off. I got back into the rooms, you know, one-on-one with the doctor. They did the test pretty straight, pretty quickly, and realised that it was it was loose and it slipped. Um, so it was definitely ACL. I was naive to what an ACL was. Nick Malcheski, a mate of mine, um, you know, obviously, he was my mentor, actually, when I first got to the Swans. He'd done his, again, in 2011, I think, and had a Lars and made it back in 13 or 14 weeks. So I sort of knew what the injury was, but not, you know, not 100% sure of what it, what it looked like and those things. But I was running around the change rooms, jumping up and down, changing direction, fine, like no issues. Yeah. I had no other damage except for the ACL with that first one. So then you're sort of trying to convince the doctor that, no, nah, I think you've got it wrong, I'll be fine. Um, and then, it, you know, the next 24 hours 48 hours sort of after that it just you have scans and everything sort of confirmed and you sit down and figure out where to go from there what were the immediate thoughts when, when you know you're out for a year you know as you said you're fine in a pre-season you've just won a flag and everything's going well you're contenders again what are the immediate thoughts when, when you get told it's 9 to 12 months out yeah I mean and that's yeah the biggest thing for me was I think from the start of my career I was in a rush I wanted to get place as quickly I wanted to develop as quickly as I could and you know establish myself as an AFL player really quickly so even that came into that decision there I I spoke to Nick Malcheski I spoke to a few other guys and they were like why don't you just do last get back in three months you'll be back in June if you're fine then you know we could play in another flag in September so you're sort of thinking like that you're probably naive as a as a 20 year old not much maturity and you're thinking righto if it's worked for someone it will work for me as well so I had a few conversations with different surgeons, but looking back now, it's a big decision for a 20, or yeah. 20, I was just 21, um, 21 year old to have to make. And I sort of, you know, spoke to family and spoke to mates and then sort of sought the advice of a few different surgeons. Ended up choosing to go down the traditional path, just I think the age thing came into play and I was like, if you get back, you'll be 100% when you're 22. Yeah. So, and then you could have, you know, 10, 12 years after that. So. Let's just focus on that and get it right. Um, so that was the decision was made there pretty quickly. Operated on, you know, two weeks later. Um, had the traditional knee reco and then, yeah, just sort of complications started from that point. You, you, you had complications that year with the first one. You got Lars 
The second time, was it? Yeah, but Lars was second, third, fourth. And <laughs> then, yeah. We've got, like, I remember when, when Lars came in, Nick Melkes, he got his one done. Yeah. And everyone was like, we, we figured it out. We've cocked it. Since then, it's pretty much gone now. No one, no one goes and gets it. Yeah. Do you, is there a reason behind, you've obviously done a lot of, had a lot of Lars surgery, but also just been around that, that kind of injury for a while. Do you know why it's gone so out of vogue when it seemed to be the answer? at the time yeah I think it's, it is an interesting one I, I think the you know medical stuff's always advancing all the time I think Mal had his first one in I think it was like 06 or 07 or something yeah. and it was it was the first time there was a surgeon in Sydney that had learnt off the guy in France because that's yeah. where it originated and he was the one that I eventually went and saw for my second you know third and fourth um, but I think it's just gone because once they put it in it's its strongest day one and then it just deteriorates until it will eventually snap. Oh, okay. So I think that try the and the biggest issue with an ACL is if you're not playing high intensity sport, you're probably never going to really test your ACL. Like yeah. there are people that you know play footy in the park or different things and might test, might do an ACL, and that's just unfortunate, probably a genetic yeah. flaw. But in terms of the testing and all the numbers that they're looking at, it's probably not the the you know the, in terms of the one percent that are playing that high intensity professional sport they're probably not testing it as much so the numbers look favorable for for where their research is at yeah the different people they're looking at i think it's yeah i think it's completely gone i mean it's mal mal chesky had it ray shaw had yeah. one in 2013 again that was a decision for him he was 30 odd coming towards the end of his career it was like i just want to get back and play yeah. as much as i can so makes sense um who else is that? I think Maravita over at Freo yeah. had it and didn't work for him. Um, but yeah, there's not many. There's not many at all. Yeah. I think the big one in the States now is just the the time that, that nine to 12 months has just gone down. Like, I mean, it, well, it's even happened here. You yeah. Like Tyson Goldsack is playing six, six months. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think they're looking at that, that you don't actually have to wait. That 12 months has definitely yeah. come down to nine now. And then it's sort of starting to lessen. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, I think I, I used to remember, like when I was a kid, like guys would go down there and they say, like it's a year, so if it's yeah. round fifteen, yeah. he's back round fifteen. Absolutely. Whereas yeah. now, I think you look at, I think David Cunningham did his from Carlton round thirteen-ish, yeah. and he might he'll probably play round one. Yeah. Little things like that. So I think you start to say, yeah, the the time is getting shorter. That probably is a big reason why Lars has kind of gone by the wayside. Yeah. Um, you after you did your second one, it was twenty fourteen in a full game. Yeah. I believe that was pretty much once you did that one that was when the complications got really yeah, kind so of messy I, after that yeah so I had yeah so I had my first reconstruction in March 2013 that was traditional I came down to Melbourne had the surgery year and then I sort of I started running in about three months three and a half months which is pretty pretty standard um, nice and sort of conservative approach our plan was to you know get back for the 2014 pre-season and then go on from there and my knee sort of just didn't really respond, kept swelling up. I was getting it drained with, you know, yeah. heavy amounts of fluid. I think you meant to have two mil of fluid in your knee joint. I had sort of a hundred mil on a weekly basis. So things didn't look great. So we went back in, another operation, and the surgeon was like, oh, just, it doesn't look like it's taken. So that's the other thing with, you know, a broken leg, you put a rod in, the leg heals. An ACL, it's, so del- it's such a delicate surgery. You're putting it into portholes effectively. One in your tibia and one in your femur, um, and it's it's trying to hold on there. And if it doesn't hold on, then you you sort of back to square one. You got to start again. So that's what happened with that. As yeah, probably four months after the initial 
had that, he said, oh, it hasn't worked. And then that decision for me, I just sort of thought, well, I've wasted four months here. I'll, I'll get Lars and I'll get back quicker than what I would the first time. Yeah. So then went to the Sydney surgeon, had Lars, um, just a straight Lars, which was, yeah, just a synthetic ligament straight in. Um, and then, yeah, was able to do things. Like I got through a full pre-season, but it was never right. Yeah. In terms of that the knee fluid I had in there, it was just unbelievable. Like, training it all the time just to take pressure off because as soon as you if you've got too much fluid in a joint it interrupts the signals that send to the brain so activate you know activating muscles and things like that yeah. don't work so you're getting a drain sort of twice a week to get through and then yeah as you said 2014 just in a I was meant to play against Brisbane in um, on the 7th of March for some reason the horse just sort of said he's like oh just I reckon we'll just give you another week I was filthy. I was like, if, if I can get in for that Brisbane game, then I'm a chance to play round one. Yeah. And that's all I wanted to do was just get back and play AFL again. Anyway, he sort of postponed it. So I played eight days later on the 15th of March against the Giants out there. It must be the west of Sydney. That is the, <laughs> the deck. It's just shocking. So it wasn't blackout this time. It was the Giants stadium. Um, and yeah, it was like eight or nine minutes in, went up for a ball and just gone. The thing that gave me a lot of confidence though was that eight or nine minutes I'd, I'd had a fair bit of the footy and was feeling really like yeah. playing well and hadn't lost it. So that, although it's such an insignificant amount of time, I felt like, I sort of felt like I was back a bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just jumped and landed and it sort of went down. I think the fact that, you know, the knee was a little bit aggravated at the time. It, um, yeah, just didn't really work, didn't hold on. Did you know immediately? Like, did you know, was it all kind of deja vu yeah. and you're like, I know what I've done here? Yeah, I think once you've done one, if you ever do another one again, you know straight away. Yeah. Whatever the mechanism, it was a completely different mechanism. It was more jump landing, but yeah, I knew straight away. And then you had setbacks kind of, once that one went, setbacks kind of came at plenty. I mean, how, how frustrating was it to, you know, because in fairness, you weren't getting all that close, but these were coming pretty quickly. How frustrating was it to almost be doing the same rehab program again and again? How many kind of alterations did you make yeah. each time? Yeah, it was extremely frustrating. And that's the thing, it's sort of, what do they say, the sign of insanity is if you keep doing the same thing over and over again and expect a different result. There was, yeah, I think the the biggest thing with the, the medical profession and the medical space is that it's all based on what's happened before. So it's all based on history. This was presenting like, something that these people had never seen. I went and saw multiple infection specialists because that's what we thought, you know, thought it was infection. Yeah. So I went to hospital and I'm sort of four or five different courses of antibiotics. I was on antibiotics for I think 18 months there at a time, like 12 pills a day. You know, like they, and they said, you know, take it without food. And I said, what's the risk there? And I'm like, oh, well, you, you could get your stomach ulcers and things like that, but it'll absorb better. So you're putting your physical health you know, sort of yeah. to the side just to try and fix this knee. Yeah. So it was, yeah, it was it was definitely a challenging period, challenging two years there, especially when I was on antibiotics and then in and out of hospital to get IV antibiotics. So in hospital for two weeks at a time, three weeks at a time, so they could administer strong dose through the, just straight through the veins. Um, so yeah, you're definitely frustrated, but you just, there's sort of not much you can do. And that's the biggest thing that was frustrating for me is that I like to be in control and I think that a lot of guys that you know go on and play professional sport they, they like to have control of what they're doing you know whatever it is whatever decision they make they understand the repercussions of it whereas this I couldn't make any decisions you're putting your trust and your faith in other guys so 
it definitely makes it really hard. Did you find the setbacks <laughs> almost more frustrating than the actual ruptures, like in the like in the games? Did yeah. you find the setbacks more kind of disheartening? Oh, 100%. No doubt about it. Because that, yeah, from that 2014 March, I sort of, they we went in, had a surgery just to take everything out. Then it was like, let's go on the course of antibiotics for six months without an ACL. Just live, you know, you stay fit. You're sort of just wasting time, really. So the club were pretty good. I went and travelled a few times um, and just got away because I wasn't really adding much value. Um, and then it was... You know, we'll go back in. If it looks good, we'll we'll put another ACL in. So the amount of times I've sort of went to, you know, got put under a general and not actually knowing what I was going to wake up with, whether I was going to wake up with an ACL or not, yeah, was quite quite interesting. I mean, I sort of I'm someone that doesn't overly fear surgery. I know there are people out there that really fear it, but sort of got used to the feeling in the end, and you almost <laughs> look forward to being put to sleep on that general. Um, so yeah, it was. It's definitely a. It was definitely a frustrating period throughout that that sort of second, third and fourth and just such so much dead time of just waiting and just sitting there just waiting for things to happen. So Yeah. Yeah. That's sort of the, that's the most frustrating thing about it, I think. What was what was your rock bottom at that time, you know, when before you come back? What was what was what did rock bottom look like? Were there times where you thought, oh, I'm better off just giving it up now? Or were there times where going to the club was the last thing you wanted to do? Like what did what did the lowest point look like? Yeah, there were times where you just don't want to go into the club, you know, just purely because you just don't want to be asked the question. And a lot of the time, I mean, before I'd been through an ACL, I didn't really understand it. I didn't really understand the process or how it actually works. So these guys didn't really get it. They'd, they'd sort of say, oh, how are you going? And you're like, yeah, good. And you're like, well, I'm not. I'm in a holding pattern for months. So what do you sort of say? It's like, oh, what, what do you... I mean, all the work you do up to surgery, then you lose half of it and you sort of start again anyway. So, yeah, I was doing... Just trying to stay fit, get leg strength up, and then you'd go into surgery and you wouldn't be able to use your leg for two weeks. It's all gone. You start again. So the amount of times that happened, I think I had, I think I had 12 surgeries on my left knee in a five-year period or four-year yeah, four period. Um, the end of 2015 was probably the worst, I reckon. Um, that was after the fourth reconstruction hadn't worked. It was in there for, I think, six days. My knee blew up and I couldn't walk and I was living on my own in Sydney at that point. Um, yeah, just couldn't walk, walk or anything. I rang mum down here and was like, oh, you know, I don't know what's going on. This is not great. She jumped on a plane straight away, came up. Meanwhile, I went to the doctor and they rushed me to the hospital. They sort of thought, oh, this, it was the angriest that it ever looked, but my knee was the size of a, like, the size of a footy, really. It was unbelievably big. And I was like, what, you know, what is silly, what's going on here? Anyway, they rushed me in and they thought that, you know, it was going to take over the body. Um, anyway, I had sort of two surgeries within three days just to clean it out, clear it out, and get on top of it. And then it was sort of back to back to square one again. That's when conversations happen with with the club. They're like, look, clearly this is not working. Maybe you should think about something else. You know, those those thoughts had entered my mind, but never I never really entertained them for too much uh, for too much time. And then yeah, that that was probably the rock bottom where you know horses sitting there getting quite emotional, sort of saying, like, you know, we sort of think you should probably go and do something else. It's not working. Let's just let's just call it quits. In my mind, it was, well, yeah, I understand where you're coming from, but I actually haven't had a fair crack at this yet. Yeah. I've had every reconstruction has been compromised by infection. If I can actually get 
into someone that sort of knows what they're doing because at that point you're just frustrated with who you're speaking to and yeah yeah they're professionals in their area but what are they actually doing so i came down here at this probably at the end of 2015 um and had a meeting with julian feller who's a you know renowned knee surgeon he was meant to do my first knee back in 2013 but was away on a conference in america so i got another guy i got hayden morris to do it down here hayden's a great surgeon whatever happened in that i'm not sure but clearly something went awry and that's where all the problems started we we put it down to anyway met, met with julian in 2015 i sort of just said to him what do you think do you think you can He's like, yeah, absolutely. He sort of had the same view as me that you haven't had a proper crack at it. I'll, yeah. I'll get you back and we'll get you we'll get you going. So we sort of started the process with him. Yeah, I think I had um, a couple of weeks ago, there's a player in the AFL system, who I won't name now, but they've had the same, not ACL injury, but the same issue with a certain body part and it turned out to go track back as to the first surgery going wrong. And they, they saw a different surgeon, the surgeon went, I can fix it. And they were lucky enough that it looks like it might be on the on the men now, but you mentioned they're chatting the horse in those difficult times. I mean, what what do contract talks look like when essentially you're a non-playing part of the club? What yep. what does a contract talk look like? Because you would you extended early on 2012. Yeah, so extended for three years. So yeah, I've got, yeah, 2013, 14, and 15. So I was out of contract at, at that point in 2015. Um, actually, no, I think I'd signed a one-year deal before. So this is sort of December when yeah. those conversations happened. So I'd already, already so going into the last year. year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then it was, yeah. I mean, I was really lucky. They looked after me the whole the whole time. I signed a few one year deals. They delisted me once and said you won't play. Um, they actually said to me that was at the end of two thousand. Must have been the end of two thousand seventeen, I think. Yeah. So so two thousand fifteen signed a one year deal for sixteen. Got things right with Julian, had a two-stage reconstruction, had that last surgery on my left knee in the end of May, May 30, 2016. And then it was the process that this is going to work, we're going to get back, everything. And everything went pretty well with that rehab and I played pretty much 12 months to the day later. Yeah. I went over to America, <coughs> trained there for a couple of weeks. So that's the thing, they still, they still believed, I think it was based on what I was telling them too, saying, you know, I've still got the result to play. Like, I, I don't, I'm not ready to give up yet. And they backed me and they supported me, which was huge. And then, yeah, for them to invest even more in me, to send me over to the States for a couple of weeks with a, with a really high level um, exercise physiologist over there, it was, um, you know, I was really lucky to, to have those experiences to go over and do that. Yeah. And then, yeah, signed another one-year deal for 2017 because I was at a point, you know, where I was running, training, everything was pretty good. Played a handful of games in the twos in 2017. And then my groin and a few other parts of my body started to give way. So it was just, um, yeah, it was just sort of a, a process there of, of trying to get the rest of the body right whilst sort of focusing on the knee and whilst focusing getting through games. Um, Oh, then, yeah, then that year got delisted at the end of the year, 2017. Delisted, had a conversation with Horse, with Tom Harley, who's a football manager now. And they sort of said, look, we think you're the last player on our list that'll play. We, we think you're you sort of done. You, you could either get through games, your groin's cooked, everything's sort of cooked. And then, yeah, you, you sort of had a bit of a... I was at a loose end for six weeks, really. Yeah. You're trying to, you're trying to go, I spoke to my management and sort of, said can we potentially explore other clubs 
but when your resume is empty for the five years, it's pretty hard to try yeah. and sell yourself. Yeah, so, for sure. Yeah. You got you got back on the list and you made you made a comeback, which I think everyone in the footy world was was thrilled to see. I mean, how were the, how were the nerves going into that week and that that game? I mean, you, you had confidence in the knee and the body. I mean, how were you feeling going in? Yeah, I think I had complete confidence in the knee just because the last surgery I'd had on it was in two thousand sixteen. This is now we're now in August two thousand eighteen. Felt really confident that the knee would hold up. It was just more could I still play at the level? Um, you know the the reserves competition up in Sydney back then was the knee foot's not overly strong. You're playing against, you know, you're playing with and against kids a lot of the time. So the the intensity's not there, the physicality's not there. Um, but yeah, I felt like I was in a pretty good position and been playing reasonable footy in the twos and had obviously earned, earned my right to get back and get back and play. Um, yeah, the nerves were ridiculous, really. Um, I was probably more nervous for that game than I've been for any other game. You know, debut everything just all included just because I knew how much work I put into it and how much it sort of meant for me to actually get back. So, yeah, it was a it was a strange week. I found out on the Wednesday and the game was a Saturday night and, yeah, it was a, it was a whirlwind few days. How was, the, how was the club? How was the energy around? And do you, like, do you kind of feel like leading from that Wednesday and then maybe a few eyes were on you just making sure you're getting through the last session and things like that? Yeah, no doubt about it. I'd... Uh, yeah, I spoke to the horse, told me on Wednesday morning and his plan was to announce it to the group on Thursday. But it was pretty hard to sort of hide the emotion of it all, I suppose, and a few people clued on and he sort of thought this is going to get out before and then it's not going to look great. So they call, called a press conference on that Wednesday afternoon to announce it. Um, and yeah, it was, it was unbelievable. The buzz around the club was huge. Sydney's one of those places that footy's not massive either and I've never been recognised ever in Sydney. And I went to the supermarket that Wednesday afternoon and three people were like, you know, good luck this weekend. I was like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> this must be a big deal. Um, then, yeah, Thursday training comes around. It's just trying to get through. I, the funny thing about that is I had a bit of a... I'd had, I dislocated my shoulder the year before. It sort of just hid that just because I didn't want to have another sort of ailment. <laughs> anyway, that Thursday, my shoulder slipped a little bit. <laughs> we're doing some one-on-one body work and my shoulder slipped and I was like, Let's just pretend that's all good anyway. It was fine. It was just, it was, it was a bit loose. I've ended up having that reconstructed as well. Um, but yeah, nothing was sort of going to ruin that opportunity to get back and play. And yeah, the way the, the, way the game unfolded yeah. too was just unbelievable. We'd be by two points in a must win game. And yeah, it was, it was pretty special the whole, the whole week. How, how, how do you feel individually so you go out? It's, there, there's an opposition there, but obviously for a few few days, years, there's been a lot of love going your way. Did it feel a bit weird when you know, you've know you got guys crashing bodies in you and no doubt they're probably thinking after the contest, oh, I hope I'm not the guy yeah, that, that does that, it. Yeah. Again. I mean, did you kind of feel that maybe early on or after the game with the Collingwood players that there was a little bit of, not trepidation, that like crashing you, but maybe the guys were aware that you're the guy in the contest or something like that? Yeah, I think, I actually, I think that's spot on. I sort of thought, I didn't know how it was going to play out. I thought, you know, people could either be like, oh, well, he's been out of the game for a while, let's just go and try and rough him up a bit. But before the first bounce, um, Langford ran over. Uh, Langdon, is it? Tom? Yeah, uh, Tom Langdon. Tom Langdon, yeah, sorry. Langford was the um, Hawthorne player. <laughs> Tom Langdon ran over like, just straight towards me. I was like, he's going to, I don't know him at all. And he just 
like got really close. I was like, he's going to whack me here or something. He just put out his hands like, you know, congratulations, mate. Great to see you back. Which is something that doesn't happen too often on the footy field yeah. unless you really know them. And then I played on Mason Cox the majority of it. Early, you know, he was like really sort of friendly as much as you can be. Um, then obviously the game sort of takes over and there's a bit of niggle and stuff like that. At one point, Jaden Stevenson sort of ran towards me and then slipped under me. And I don't know whether he's, I don't know, I think he just like stuffed up his footing yeah. or whatever. Anyway, I jumped over him and he was so apologetic after, <laughs> which is a weird sort of <laughs> sensation. Um, but no doubt, like the physicality was there as soon as, as soon as the game starts and it's got, it's got to be there. You, you got to yeah. treat everyone the same. You got to treat everyone as if they're 100. Um, yeah. Which I was at that point. So, yeah, it was, um, it was a nice touch with a few of the Collingwood players later to sort of recognise what I've been through. Yeah. You mentioned yeah. Tom Langdon there. He had his own knee issues. Did you contact him or get in contact with him when he retired or anything like that with his own knee problems? No, nah, not really. I've, yeah, as I said, I haven't had much to do with him. Um, but yeah, it was just a, it was a really nice gesture of his to, to come over and sort of. Yeah, congratulate yeah. me and acknowledge it. Absolutely. Did you become kind of a, a sanding board for players that did ACLs over that time? Obviously, no one would have had more experience in the system dealing with, with you. Did, did players at times reach out to you for, you know, how hey, man, I've just done mine, you know, how do I get through this bit? Or did you kind of become a sanding board for opposition players? Yeah, a little bit. And I've tried to do it to players as well. You know, even, even in today's game, I'll message players if I know them or, you know, even if I don't know them really, I'll just... It's pretty easy nowadays with Instagram and things like that. Um, just to message them, just to reach out, and just if they want to chat about it. I mean, you know, the funny thing is, a mate of mine who's a physio, he's like, "Why the fuck do they talk to you? You did it seven times. They don't <laughs> want to know how to sit on the sidelines." Um, so I do understand that. But one of the big, big ones for me was um, Dan Menzel. Obviously, he died. He did his first one in 2011. Um, been through it so I used to just I mean the, the thing is just being able to talk to someone so you don't sound insane yeah. and if you can throw a few ideas around and then if someone goes in any situation oh yeah I've been through that this is what I did it gives you so much comfort it helps you so much so I think that's all it is and I have a lot of people reach out to me on Instagram just young kids that do it or guys that play amateur and whatever and you know I endeavour to, to try and get back to all of them and give them any piece of advice I can um, really and you know, happy to jump on calls. I've had plenty of phone calls with, with people that just want to have a chat. And I think, yeah, it's, I think it's important to do it. Um, that, that mental health piece that is, is massive nowadays and has become a real focus, which I think is huge. Um, it's a very lonely place if you're going through something like that on your own. Yeah. So if you can talk to someone, you know, whether it's someone that's played at the highest level or just someone that's been through it, I think it makes a massive difference. So. I've always endeavoured to, to get back to people and, um, you know, make sure I can help them as much as I can. Yeah, that's an awesome attitude to have. I mean, I think no one would blame you if you didn't want to talk about ACLs yeah. anymore. Um, it's funny, people think I'm an expert. I've got no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> I just go based on what I've done. And, um, yeah, I, I could run a rehab program, though. I think I've been through it that many times. So <laughs> sure. If anyone wants a rehab program, my own friends will do that. that. Yeah, that's right. Um, you get through the comeback game, you win by two points, it's unbelievable, it's all going on. You get to the MCG, Melbourne. I, I can remember, because I was, I was a fan of yours, not by no means a Sydney fan, but a fan of your journey. And I remember watching the first 20 minutes of that first quarter, I went to go get some lunch, and in the car, I thought, oh God, kept scoring five minutes. Yeah. Put it on, and the tone of the commentary was immediately low. And the, my first thought was, oh, surely not. Yeah, yeah. Check the phone, it's all over Twitter. Yeah. 
I mean, for those who everyone should know, if you don't, Jesse Hogan makes a turn on the boundary line. You just get to go with him. The right knee this time, for the first time, decides it doesn't want to doesn't want to play ball. And yeah. again, you, you know immediately. I mean, for one, what's the first thing when you go? It's the right knee. But so I mean, what, immediately you're on the ground in the full pocket. The ball went dead as well. So the guy kind of comes to a standstill. I mean, what's going through the mind right then? Yeah, it's yeah, it's something I've never experienced really. I think the first two times I've done my left knee were just you know nondescript games, Blacktown and Giant Stadium. No one there. MCG big stage. It was another must win for us. We we sort of lost. I think we'd lost four out of the last five. Obviously, beat Collingwood wanted to get a bit of momentum to make finals, and that's that's where my priority was. That week after, you know, obviously celebrations after the Collingwood game, family and friends, massive, great fun. Then the Monday, it's like, right, who am I playing on? You know, and, what, and what's the go here? Melbourne were going all right. Um, so, yeah, it was that, that. That's what it was focused on. But then, yeah, just, I mean, as you said, just like 21 minutes into the first quarter, I was cooked. And I tried to get off. Jeremy Lather, the runner, had come out, and a great mate of mine had come out sort of five minutes before and said, "Like, get off when you can." Tried to. Jesse Hogan was giving me a bit of stick. Actually, he's like, Fuck. "He's like, it's clear you've missed a little while," because I was just breathing. I was just absolutely cooked. Anyway, ball comes down. He can move very, very well for a big bloke, Jesse. Um, and just yeah, sort of put a little bit of a goose step on. I went to decelerate to be able to corral him out and yeah my right knee just, just went again completely different mechanism to what I to how I've done the other two so that's the thing there's no sort of straight rule of how yeah. you do an ACL this was a different one it was more of deceleration Julian sort of described it more as what you know a skier would do whereas the, the quad sort of contracts too quickly and goes over the knee and just puts too much yeah. force through and snaps um, yeah that the jerk reaction like oh and I, I lost my footing went over the boundary line and um, yeah, you know instantly what it is, but the the feeling on the the feeling on the G, I think for you know there would have been eighty thousand there probably it was a big big crowd. Um, I think everyone in the stadium except for one player who yelled over the fence and was like, "Get up, you weak prick!" <laughs> I mean, everyone except for that player. <laughs> yeah, where's he knew what had happened and um, were in a bit of shock. I'd, I'd love to figure out who that was. I thought it was. After now, I'm like, that's bloody funny. But a little bit of time, I was like, you bastard. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know straight away, and then it's just, yeah, thoughts go to what does this actually mean? Yeah. yeah. You, you went off, you walked off then, and quarter time came very fast. I mean, you were, you got back up and walked out to the huddle. I mean, you see guys, you know, do a hammy and they feel sorry for themselves and fair enough too but they go and sit in the back of the bench I mean what, what was going through your head to make yourself get up and get around the fellas and, and you can see in the footage that you're trying your best to walk as normally as possible which you kind of can with the ACL and did the guys know because obviously again play stops everyone probably saw but did the guys know guys at that course I'm kind of saying hey what's going on and how did you kind of get yourself to keep the vibe up and keep the energy up yeah it was a, yeah it was an interesting one you know I mean it was only as I said, it came pretty quickly. It was probably eight or nine minutes by the time I actually got yeah. off and then it was quarter time. In that time, I sort of sat there being like, you know, what do I do here? You've got, you know, all the radio people behind the bench, so they're looking for a bit of a reaction. I just sort of tried not to give too much away, I think. My mum came down and sort of looked and she knew um, and no words really needed to be conversed between us. It was just, yeah, nodding her head. And then like Dan Henry, one of my great mates who I grew up with, 
he was on the bench as well. He's like, what he's like, you've done it. And I'm like, yeah, I think so. But just like, let's just keep it just low key. You just don't want to affect too many guys. Yeah. You don't know how to affect other guys yeah. during the game. Um, so then, yeah, quarter time comes around. And I, I sort of looked at the physio and go, what do I do? And he's like, I don't know, do whatever you want. You can stay here, whatever. And I just thought, no, I'll go out and just make sure that. Because we you know, I think it was it was pretty close game at that point, and we we're still in it and whatever, and yeah, just just went out and just talked footy really, just pretended that that things are fine. You lie to a few guys and, and whatever it is, um, and then yeah, and then it's after that you go down to the rooms and then it's you know then you realise that it's yeah. that it's done and just had a bit of time in the doctor's room just with you know my family and yeah, that's when the emotion sort of comes out and you realise what. Well, what the issue is, and that's the, that's probably the last time you're going to be out on an AFL ground. Was there a temptation in that a thought that you might not get this chance again? With an ACL, you can, to a limited extent, play. We've yeah. seen guys do it before without knowing. Was there a part of you that thought, fuck it, I'm just, I'm going to take this up and I'm, I'm going out and I'll play forward pocket and yeah. sit? And, was there a part of you that thought, I've just got to get out there at least one more time? Yeah, I, yeah, I did think about it, but... This one, as opposed to the other two, was excruciating pain. I've obviously done a fair bit of bone bruising damage. It had swollen up, so me trying to walk normally, like there's no way I could have run or anything. Like I could have got them to jump it up and try and get out there, but I just thought, no. Nah. Especially like with the with how much we needed to win, yeah. I didn't really want to be a liability to that to the team or anything like that. So, yeah. Nah, it's pretty it's pretty quick to realise that you just you could and, do it. Yeah, just go and sit down and then. Ironically, Nick Smith did his hamstring pretty badly. I think it, it might have been the start of the second. So he came down and joined me and um, we were both just like, we're cooked here. Um, I don't think he realised how bad his was, but yeah. it ended up sort of being the, yeah, it was being the end of his, yeah. You mentioned your mum came down, there's the photo where you know, she's leaning over as if it's an under nines game and you've gone off crying with a head knock. Like it's an amazing photo yeah. where... I mean, you said they were like, where is that to exchange? What was, what was that moment when, you know, you're trying to hold your emotions and you look over your right shoulder and mum's there yeah. checking in? I mean, what, what did that do? Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. I mean, you know, my, my family's been unbelievable support, but especially mum, I don't think she's missed any one of my surgeries ever. You know, she's obviously based down here and always flew up whenever I needed anything or, you know, if, if I needed, you know, to look, get looked after or whatever it was, she was there. You know, 100% of the time. So yeah, that photo sums it up pretty well. That she was always there and always being able to help me. But yeah, it was a, it was a, you know, it's a hard moment because you you still don't want to give too much away. Yeah. I think everyone realizes what's happened, but you just want to keep things in check for whatever reason. I think it's just yeah, you just you just try and hold it together as much as you can because I sort of knew if I lost it, then you know she would and the rest of the family would as well. So yeah, yeah it's definitely yeah, it's a pretty special moment. But that photo is. Um, that photo's unbelievable. How far did you have to come down the MCC to get there? Where, where were they sitting? Because all I, I can imagine is that she's just charged down yeah, from like, jumped, the long room. Jumped off yeah. the <laughs> imagine, jumped off the third level. Like, oh, get down there. the beer at the line of the long room. That's right. Usually they sit second level. That's, that's Dad's favourite position to sit, second level on the wing. So they might have been there, but yeah, she 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 was down there pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, I sort of, I think one of the physios tapped me and was like, your mum's here. Um, and then my, my brother-in-law was there as well behind her and yeah it was just sort of uh, yeah it's not quickly like you know, yeah. we're going into the rooms and yeah I'll see you down there so and then when you get down there is that kind of when you know you, you click on that I've done it again it's probably probably the end of the family there was it 
and obviously an emotional moment was it just kind of a bit of self like you know it's not self reflection but just a moment amongst everyone where you kind of took a, almost a sigh of relief and just wow there we go it's, yeah it's just yeah it was interesting I thought it's just more of a numb feeling and then the thoughts are racing around your mind and you you having an argument in your mind that is this the last time no I'll get back oh no that's probably you like I'm, you know and then it's just yeah you know what do you do really um, you know I sat there for the rest of the game and then I went out at the end of the game because it was just sort of you know why not if yeah. this is the last time I'm going to be out there I'm going to make the most of it um, and it was yeah I mean the Melbourne players were great there's a few guys you know Maxie Gorn's been through it he came over pretty quickly and a few other guys I know that that were really really good and really supportive but um, yeah it was definitely very very emotional how, how do you look back at your career now I mean 47 games far too few for a player that had the world at their feet at the end of their second season but you're a premiership player and that's always there I mean how do you look back at it now that now that it's all washed up yeah it's an interesting one I'll look back on it with mixed emotions I'm really privileged and lucky that I was involved in that in that premiership and no one can take it away and you know you speak to guy like Bobby Skilton he's like I'd give all my brown loads up for a premiership just a chance to do that there are guys that played 15 years and never won a final or you know played in one final so I am really privileged to be in that position but yeah there's it's it's pretty hard to look at you know I mentioned someone like Luke Parker got drafted with him um you know we played our first year together now he's captain of the club you know played 200 games those types of things that's what I wanted to do and you know I sit here at 29 you know, I would have back then if you had asked me where I would be at 29 would be in a different position I'd, you know still be playing yeah. ideally be sort of you know captain and, um, you know have a few more flags as well that, that would have been the plan really um, but sometimes you know things don't work out as, as you do plan them um, you know I'm content with, with what I was able to achieve but yeah there's it's hard not to feel a little bit cheated of yeah. a bit of time and um, a bit of luck as well would you trade the premiership for 200 more games? No. No. A few people have asked me that question. And initially, I sort of thought, oh, potentially, but no, I don't think so. Oh, I think, you know, speaking to guys that, um, you know, at 20, you're a bit naive to what it actually means. And, you know, you, you think you're on top of the world and it's an unbelievable feeling, but you, I sort of thought, oh, this will happen a few more times. But I remember Ray Shaw saying to me, he said, it's taken me... 10 years to get back here because he played in yeah. 2002 which they lost to Brisbane and that sort of put him in a bit of a hole after that loss yeah. um, and he sort of said like you have to cherish this and you know I think my comment then was like what do you mean it's pretty easy like it's two years in I'm just getting started <laughs> and all that and he sort of said yeah like just you have to cherish it as much as you can at the moment which we definitely did but um, no nah, there's no way I'd trade that for anything and now wrapping up now what's next obviously Infinite in Armadale is going well but I mean what, what else is on the on the horizon you said 29 there's still plenty ahead yeah yeah absolutely um, I still have a huge passion for the game which is um, which is something that ebbed and flowed in the time I was out but yeah I think I like I love the sort of development side of it I had a couple of opportunities to go into development coaching when I finished I just thought I was a bit too young and wanted to get out and do something a bit different it, it can become pretty you know insular if you just stay in footy the whole time and you know credit to, to guys that do it I think it's great if, if that's what they want to do straight from playing into coaching but I just wanted to go do something different take a bit of take a bit of time and 
um, just sort of yeah be able to run to my own schedule a little bit yeah. but yeah the, the I, I do a bit of coaching now just with, with um, the first 18 and Xavier I've done that yeah. for the last couple of years and I love that I love working with 15, 16, 17 year olds that have that desire they're in the exact same position I was and so you sort of see that passion and that, that desire to, to get to wherever they want to go and it's not the AFL I mean for 99% of people it's not the AFL but if they can get to the best position and play the best footy they can then you, your job's sort of done um, and then there is a there's a bit of an interest in that in the sort of mindfulness space of, of sport as well I think it's something that isn't it's definitely better than what it was when I started but I think it's got a hell of a long way to go. Yeah. I think footy is such a unique thing that you get 45 guys trying to achieve the same thing from completely different walks of life and there's a little bit still of the one size fits all whereas it's, it's not about that. Yeah. It should be more tailored to the individual. Um, so yeah, there's definitely that, that sort of those aspirations to potentially get involved somewhere where it could be. Whether that's from you know the player management side of things, I think there still needs to be more done in that space to look after the individual yep. rather than just the bottom line um, and I think that's that's where sort of the world's heading and that's culturally where we're heading as well just to just to try and put things in place to look after players a bit, bit better than what, what's currently being done yeah for sure I think there's plenty of plenty of scope there mate and we'll have to have to get you on again and have a chat about that side of things rather than just the, the ACL yeah absolutely but no, look, mate, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. Obviously, it's one that's been well documented, but it's always awesome to hear it from yourself. So we can't thank you enough for coming on and having a chat. Yeah, no worries at all. No, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me.